0: For a child, there is so much potential in a good book. It can stimulate the imagination, it can inspire, it can allow you to see yourself differently, it can expand language skills and broaden your horizons. It doesn't matter if it's fiction or non-fiction. It can be stories about superheroes, Ada Twist scientists, magic, adventure, or guidance on why dragons like tacos, but not the spicy ones. Sparking a joy of reading opens a portal to so much more. For some kids, learning to read comes easy. For others, it can be an agonizing challenge for parents and children alike. Today, let's talk about reading and what parents and caregivers can do to help. I'm your host, Darcy Knoll. This is In Conversation with OCDSB. Reading is not a privilege, it's a basic and essential right. These are the words of the Ontario Human Rights Commission in a landmark report that was released in early 2022 following the conclusion of its Right to Read public inquiry. This review looked into human rights issues that affect students with reading disabilities in Ontario's public education system. The final report provided a series of recommendations on how to address systemic issues that affect the right to learn to read. Essentially, the report said the education system was failing students with reading disabilities and others. Urgent changes were needed to teach reading. We are not going to be able to unpack these details here today. A link with more information on the report can be found on our website. However, this emphasis on reading as a human right provides an important context. We know learning to read is a topic of interest to many parents and caregivers you might be wondering how to start, if your child should already be reading, or whether a language spoken at home might impact a different language learned at school. I have with me today Julie Butterworth, an instructional coach with the OCDSB program and learning department. In this role, she supports the professional development of educators in the areas of literacy and early years education. Welcome Julie. Hi, Darcy. So, I know you're the mother of a young child. Yes. To start things off, as a parent, how are you helping them to learn to read?
1: Well, I think we do lots of uh, different things and um, a big focus of how I try to support her is really building those foundational skills. The um, the language skills that will support her later on when she's ready to start reading and as she gets higher and higher in school. So um, a lot of talk, 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 talk. It's um, back and forth. So, you know, giving, asking her questions, giving her lots of time to respond, not rushing to um, kind of answer for her. You know, sometimes 10 seconds can feel like a long time, but our, our young children need a lot of time to process. And then respond so lots of back and forth talking talking about the books we're reading uh, talking about the experiences that we're having at the park at a museum uh, cooking in the kitchen any of those things so um, I can't say that enough times lots and lots of talk Um, lots of time outside um, as much as possible um, where it's things like running and jumping and swinging um, all those sensory experiences that They really do support reading later on as well. All those interconnected kind of pieces. Um, uh, Lots of of books, reading what she's interested in, um, different types of books, whether it's um, fiction and nonfiction. um, And spending a lot of time, especially when she was even younger, she's three now, but when she was younger, a lot of what I would call sports casting. So just kind of talking out loud about what I'm doing. So, oh, I'm going to make a grocery list now. Um, it could be giving her a pen as well. Um, but say, okay, I'm going to get uh, pizza and I just might be like, okay, pizza, pizza. Oh, I need a P to write that. And I'm not asking her to do anything back. Um, but it's just kind of modeling and thinking aloud about what I'm doing. And over time as she's gotten older, then she wants to be a part of that or she's interested, um, in those experiences. And then right now she's very interested in rhyming. So, um, it's, Mommy, what rhymes with this? Mommy, what rhymes with that? What rhymes with Ottoman? <laughs> her mm-hmm. favorite one right now. Um, and just having those lots of opportunities to play with language, to um, be silly with language and really follow her lead. So again, she's really interested in rhyming right now. Um, when she's starting to show less interest, she's probably really internalized that. She understands it and we will be able to move on to um, something else. Not tons and tons around letters. I think a lot of people think um, we need to be doing ABCs, ABCs from an early age. We have letters, we have letter puzzles, we talk about them, um, but it's not, the, it's not the focus of what I'm thinking when I'm working with her to say how am I going to support her as a reader later on. It's really that how do we develop um, our language and um, knowledge of the world and just a love of reading.
0: So it's not really memorizing the alphabet. It's more just building vocabulary and just talking things through.
1: And it's, when we become readers, we need both of those things, right? Mm-hmm. We have to know the letters. We have to be able to look at them and say, oh, I know that's an A, and I know that in this word it represents the sound ah. Um, but if we read the word cat, for example, but I have no idea what a cat is, then I'm not truly reading. I have to understand what I'm reading, and I have to be able to read and decode those words. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're really young, it's, they're learning how to – uh, tell one thing from another so playing with letters, like letter puzzles are great because they're starting to tune into the, the shape of the letters um, and say, oh can I match this to that, that those are the same um, and that can be with letters specifically it can be with other puzzles or other toys where they're tuning into those differences will support them in figuring out letters as we go on
0: So we've always read books to our kids but you know, I wasn't really sure how to move in the direction of getting my daughter to actually read for herself so what are some tips to help children, you know, start to make that shift and start to learn those words and those sounds?
1: Um, again, so if I would follow your child's lead. Um, if she's showing interest in, you know, the letters on the page and what do those say or even pointing and saying, oh, this word says this. You know, maybe it's asking the question, well, how do you know that? Um, to kind of help them tune in to the actual letters that are on that page. Um when you're already doing lots of reading, um, you're already doing lots of reading together, but again, doing that thinking out loud or that sports casting. So it's, oh, we're going to read this book and, oh, I see the title has three words in this title. Um, one, two, three. Oh, what's the first word? And maybe it's just you kind of sounding out the, the sounds of just the words on the title. So it's, again, it's just kind of awareness of, oh, these, these words on the page have meaning, the letters tell me something, um, and this is how, you know, I know Dad does it this way. Um, if you know your child knows most of their letters and sounds, maybe it's even pretending you're stuck on a word. Be like, oh, I just can't figure this one out. Can you remind me what does this sound, what letter, uh, sorry, what sound does this letter make? Um, and engaging in that way, making it playful. Um, sometimes it's getting things wrong. Um can be really helpful because it's, you know, that chance for them to correct you. But why are you being so silly? It says this, you know, Mm -hmm. um, thinking of writing, not just reading. We know reading and writing go together. They, one reinforces the other. So both are really important. Um, and writing can be less intimidating for a lot of children. And we see from when they're really young, where they'll, you know, they're making scribbles, but they have meaning, um, to that child. And eventually they might just start writing random letters. Represent words, but again, they're telling us what they know. I know these things have meaning, I just don't know yet which ones match which sounds. Um, So it depends on where each child is, um, but finding those opportunities again to pull it in um, to push them from where they're at. So you know, most of your letters and sounds, maybe it's that grocery list example again. You know, you get to pick two or three things in our grocery list, grocery shopping this week. Um, can you add them to our list? And maybe you help your child with the sounding out, with the spelling, but it also gives them a chance to practice for a real purpose, um, which can be really motivating.
0: So I think there's a lot of parents out there who compare their children to others and, you know, might be concerned about their child's reading skills. So at what point should parents be worried? And, you know, I guess more importantly, what, what can parents do?
1: So I think it's that concern is really normal. Um, And we we are always seeing children who maybe are a little bit more developed than ours and a little less developed than ours, and that's normal. There's that whole range of where a child might be at any given point. Um, If you are concerned, I would say trust your intuition, trust your gut, and say, okay, something doesn't feel right to me, I'm going to trust that. I'm going to start asking questions. I'm going to try to find out some more information. So if your child is school-aged, I would go to their teacher and say, you know, this is what what I'm seeing at home. This is what I'm concerned about. Um, What do you see at school? Um, And also asking, like, what are the curriculum goals for the grade they're in? So if they're in grade one, well, what should they be able to do by the end of grade one? Um, For example, the end of kindergarten, we would really hope that most students know most of their letter names and sounds. Doesn't mean that they're reading and decoding words yet, but we would hope they know most of their letter names and sounds. Um, They're also able to hear multiple sounds in a word um, and their oral language is really developing. That will support them going into grade one. So it's finding out what would be appropriate for the grade they're in. Um, K to two is that big range of, or that key range of where our students are really learning how to read. Um, So if they're, you know, beyond grade two and they're really struggling, again, getting into the school, asking lots of questions, how can we work together to support my child? Um, If they're they're not in school yet and they're younger, um, definitely following up with your child's doctor. Um, The doctors often use the Nipissing screeners on your regular visits, which has some language indicators that might tell you, oh, maybe they should be here right now, they're not, what are some things we can do? Um, And then there's also the First Words program, which is for children under four. Um, And there's an online screener there as well, where you can go on and answer questions about your child and it will tell you if it thinks you should be concerned right now and then what to do about it.
0: So there are many students uh, who learn in a different language than what might be spoken at home. So this could be English speaking kids in French immersion or newcomer families whose children are learning English for the first time. So what's your advice for parents who may not speak the language taught at school?
1: The most important thing is to keep speaking in your home language. So lots of families have multiple languages, that's fine. Speak in multiple languages. If you have um, one language other than French or English at home, speak in that language, that's great. Um, We want to build that first uh, language for children and we want to build that background knowledge, their oral language, the same way we would in English, for example. We want to build that in the first language. Um, their knowledge of books and how print works, all of those skills are transferable. So even if it's a language that has an alphabet different than English and French, it's fine. It still um, conveys that message that print has meaning and it has a system of how it works. So it doesn't have to be the same alphabet, definitely doesn't have to be the same language, but those same strategies are really effective. So talking about the world, back and forth conversation with your child, reading books in your first language, and then the school will be able to do that connect. So again, if I already know what a cat is in my first language and I have a word for cat, it'll be easy to connect that to English or French as well versus not having that knowledge. Or I know how books work. I can do that in English and French as well. So um, never feel like at home you need to switch to English or French to be a better support for school. Your first language is the best support.
0: What about children in French immersion whose parents might worry about their English reading skills?
1: Um, so I would say the same thing as, you know, what I was just saying about home languages or different languages. Um, it's important to remember that in grade one in our, in our school board, there's um, no English reading instruction. So for a grade one French immersion student, they might be able to read in English, but they also might not. And that would be expected because they haven't been taught how to read in English. Um, once they're in grade two, they're going to start having an hour a day of English instruction as well, and then at that point, they're going to be getting English reading instruction and French reading instruction, so they're actually getting um, more explicit reading instruction every day, um, and those, again, the French, if they've been learning in French, it will those skills will transfer to English. Um, so, if it's that gut feeling again as a parent that something's not quite right they're not where they should be absolutely um, talk with your school about that find out how you can be supporting at home um, but if it's they're not reading in english because they haven't actually been taught to read in english yet um, then we don't need to be worried about that we want to make sure that they're making gains in the french language
0: so we've talked a lot today about learning to read for younger children but How can parents encourage a love of reading to continue for children as they get older?
1: Um, I think it's um, continuing to read with your child, even as they get older. could be them reading to you, you reading to them, Um, still finding that time to kind of celebrate reading, Um, reading yourself. So you're modeling as well that, oh, you know what? Mom really likes to read too. I see her reading reading. visiting the library or making you know special trips to a bookstore where your child you're following your child's lead so what are they interested in um, those are the books we want to be getting so that they're motivated to read and they might be books at above their level that's fine maybe it's something the parent reads to them uh, maybe they're engaging with it in a different way they're looking at the pictures um, all of those things are fine uh, books that are maybe too easy for them is fine as well You know, as adults, we read texts that are, you know, at different levels as well for different purposes. So um, lots of different books that follow their lead, I think is really important. Um, And not feeling like it has to be a novel, or it has to be nonfiction, or maybe it's a graphic novel. If that's what motivates them, go for it. Um, But definitely follow their lead and uh, follow their interests.
0: Before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to share?
1: Um, I think I would just like to, you know, reiterate uh, those ideas of families should trust their intuition if they're concerned about their child's uh, pr- progress with reading. Please reach out to your schools, um, talk to your educators, or your child's doctor if that feels appropriate. Um, Keep talking with your children, keep building those background knowledge and life experiences um, with your kids and trying to keep it playful so it's fun and engaging for them, not something that's like, oh, this is onerous. I don't want to be reading is not how I want to spend my time. Um, And then to get some more specific um, ideas of uh, things you can be doing at home, um, Darcy, I've shared a couple of uh, websites with you that um, you can post as well that through uh, Hannon and Reading Rockets, two great resources that offer different tips for different ages, um, different stories to read with your children and ideas of, you know, how to engage with those books with your kids. Um, And those can be great starting points as well. If your parents are really feeling unsure to kind of give them confidence of, okay, how do I read a story with my child? Or what are those uh, games or ideas I can do to support um, their growing literacy knowledge?
0: Okay. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Julie. Thank you. That was Julie Butterworth. She's an instructional coach with the OCDSB. Building reading skills and language comprehension happens in many different ways. We scratched the surface here today, but the opportunities are endless. It can be through storybooks or sounding out words on a cereal box or advertisement. It can also come through talking with your child about their day or making up goofy stories. Try to come up with fun ways to sneak in reading skills. It doesn't need to be a chore for you or your child. There may be challenges along the way. Not all kids learn the same, even siblings. If you feel your child needs help, contact your teacher for advice. We've included links to resources on our podcast webpage ocdsb.ca slash inconversation That's all for our show today I'd like to thank Julie Butterworth and our technical producer Mike Yebeau I'm your host Darcy Noel Until next time, take care